you have housekeeping open? Yes. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm Izzy. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to The, the Greatest, Greatest Genre, a.k.a. Romanticy, where we will be reading discussing and fully dissecting chapters 37 through 41 41. of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yes. We are nearly finished with our reread. Oh my gosh. Only two episodes left. Very exciting. So today we'll be focusing on 37 through 41. The first portion of that episode will be completely spoiler three. We're just going to be going through the events that happen within those chapters. The second portion of today's episode, and it's actually a separate episode now, the same as the previous two. We consider them to be still the same. They are two halves of a whole. Correct. One cannot exist without the other. collective (laughs) episode. But yes, we will be uploading them in two separate segments, part one and part two. And our second segment is going to be that deep, detailed dissection. We're going to be combing through for Easter eggs. We're going to be talking about theories, foreshadowing. Exactly. So if you have not read, (laughs) there will be many, many spoilers. If you have not read all of Akatar, all of Crescent City, and all of Throne of Glass, you do not want to listen to part two of episode eight. And we will give you a very clear indicator when to exit the podcast. So some quick housekeeping notes before we get started. Yes. Firstly, we do have adult content. We do. Yes. Uh, like the series itself, mm-hmm. this podcast does from time to time contain adult language and adult content. So if that is not something that you are comfortable with, maybe this isn't the podcast for you, but we hope that it is. Because, because it is certainly <laughs> the podcast for us. Because we are having <laughs> such a great time and we just want to continue loving these books and rereading these books with you all. And so another housekeeping note is to please keep things kind in the comments, uh, both with us and with each other. Yes, which has been a success so far. It's been so great. I mean, this is the most amazing community. It's the most amazing fandom. And I we really, can all disagree on I which phase no finest. <laughs> <laughs> While keeping things kind. And lastly, if you have not yet, please, uh, it's time to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore greatest genre, on Twitter at greatest genre. Uh, you can email us at the greatest genre at gmail.com. gmail.com. We are on TikTok at the greatest, the greatest genre. genre. <laughs> really switching things up here. Yeah. And we are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Yes. Outcast, you should be able Google. to find us anywhere that yes. you stream your podcasts, but our link tree is in the bio of our Instagram profile. So that is a very easy way, a very sure way to get to our podcast wherever you would like to stream it. And I do think that my Google form for t-shirts is going to be switched to an <laughs> Etsy shop because I'm running into some issues. So we may work for a tech company, but techie I am not. And (laughs) I just need like one more week, guys. And then you can buy some t-shirts. I think now, Jessica. Yes. It is time to go over the wall. I agree. Return to Prithian. I agree. Adventure. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Adventure into chapters 37 through 41 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Take it away. Thank you so much. You know, these summaries were like sneaky long. Chapter 39 snuck up on me. It was a sneaky long (laughs) segment because even though it didn't feel like a ton was happening outside of the second challenge, when I was going back through and 
summarizing it all, I was like, oh, wow, there's actually there's a meat to- lot yep. <laughs> that goes on here. So I will try and keep this quick. 37, we pick up right where we left off. Feyre is back in her cell after her um, her battle against the Midden God, Vem. Well, the Alaskan Bullworm, depending on which meme you're looking at. God. <laughs> From Spongebob. Oh. <laughs> She's back in her cell and things are going south rather quickly it's not a good situation the wound that she sustained from the bone which is still embedded in her arm i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure yep. has begun to fester she is weak with infection and fever and is essentially on the brink of death when mm-hmm. someone finally comes to heal her unfortunately for us it is, it is not, not lucian <laughs> Which is just really upsetting. Super, super <laughs> sad for us. Uh, it does turn out to be Rizand. Sorry, Resand. See? It's really See, tough. It you have to, to unlearn it. Guys, just I give know. us time. We'll get that. So it's Resand, and amongst other snide commentary that he decides to share Always. with all of us, he mentions to her that nobody is coming to save her because Lucian was punished for helping Feyre during her first task. So literally saying on your left. And Tamlin was the one who had to deliver said punishment, which was 20 lashes. He also reveals that he was the only one to bet on her during the first task. And amidst all of this bluster, he then gets to the point, finally, and, and her. offers her, <laughs> well, he offers her a bargain. A bargain, right. And there's some negotiation. There's a little bit of back and forth. Huge kudos to Feyre for being I able forget, to negotiate. I forget, did he start with three weeks? Or? It was two. Two, okay. Two. So Feyre still has it in her to negotiate with him, which is so impressive. And very on brand for her, I feel. And eventually the bargain is struck. She will spend one week of every month with Reese in the night court. The bargain is sealed with a rather large tattoo on her left arm from her fingertips to her elbow. Big old eyeball and right in the middle. very large <laughs> eyeball on her palm. You know, of all of the Akatar tattoos that I've seen from this fandom, I've never seen anybody put the eye on their palm. I think the tattoo artists, because you you use your hands it's so much, they, don't, place yeah, they don't want to tattoo Even I know that. So, but still, so not that cute. was chapter 37. <laughs> chapter 38, the guards start to torment Feyre. Now that she's healed and well, uh, they start to torment Feyre with chores that are seemingly impossible to complete the first one is cleaning a very dirty hallway with super muddy water and who appears to help pharaoh with this task but my dream mother-in-law lady autumn oh my god she is perfect in every way and she arrives exciting was it for you to find her in the reread i swear like i think the most of my notes still somehow managed to be about lady autumn for this because i was just obsessed oh i love her so much so she appears and she basically just helps Feyre accomplish her task she she tells her because you offered up your name to save my son and then she says my debt is paid which muddy water Saving his life. Well, she saved Feyre from getting cruel. roasted on a spit, which is what the guards said they were going to do to which her. Which would just be so tough. Yeah. Yeah. So the second task the guards give Feyre is to pick lentils out of ash of somebody's fireplace. Ooh. Turns out that somebody <laughs> is once again resand. And uh, they have a very interesting back and forth before he uses his magic to separate the lentils for her, calls the guards back into the room, and then instructs that they are not to touch her ever again. 
and she is to be given, you know, hot meals every day. And if they should not comply with any of these orders, they shall take daggers and gut themselves. Gut themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Chapter 39. Feyre is taken from her cell and given a very dark, messed up version of the Glam Squad. I have the same (laughs) note, but we'll talk about it when we talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she's dressed in basically tissue paper, ass out, boobs out. She's painted all over. It's giving a Nuxunamun. I have the the same note. (laughs) And yes, she is to attend the party in Amarantha's court as Rhysand's escort. So he parades her out in front of everybody, including Tamlin, taunts Tamlin a little bit and explains that he and Feyre have made a bargain very publicly to everybody. He then hands her a glass of fairy wine, which she tries not to drink, is basically forced to comply, promptly blacks out and wakes up in her cell the next day with what sounds like a level 1000 hangover. We would be peak raccoon status. I don't even think I would be raccoon status. I think I would just be like, Unwell. Un- <laughs> unmoving either in my bed or on the cold bathroom floor. Cold One bathroom of the floor. Two. We need the tiles always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe the cell wasn't so bad in that <laughs> particular situation. Maybe that's what we'll call our new really bad hangovers. Feyre in the dungeon. Feyre under the mountain. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Great. Cool. <laughs> Lucian does at this point come to see her. He chastises her for making the bargain, which seems, once again, kind of like when he came to visit her the first time. She's like, I'm already here. It's already happened. Yeah. She's like, like, I was also literally dying. like, I, (laughs) you weren't coming. And he does admit to her, he says, this is the first I've been able able to to move. Yeah. And they actually, they have a very sweet moment of real friendship, which I definitely want to talk about later. And he leaves her with a cloak Mm -hmm. before departing her cell. The pattern of drugging and forced dance performing continues for mm-hmm. several nights until it becomes the night before Feyre's second task and on this night as Reese parades her out they have another interesting conversation then as well but I will get to that later and he, as he parades her out into the courtroom they realize that a summer court Haifei male has been caught trying to escape and has been brought before Amarantha she makes Reesand question and then execute him But there is more to that exchange than meets the eye. So we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Chapter 40 is the second task. This task is very stressful for different reasons, but particularly stressful for our darling but illiterate Feyre. This is really tough. Who has to solve a riddle that is written on the wall of a stone pit that she has been lowered into. Mm -hmm. And in order to solve the riddle, she has to select... In order to prove that she's solved the riddle, I guess, she has to select one of three stone levers labeled one through three. Mm -hmm. And she has to do this before a flaming, hot, blunt, spiked, blunt spikes, um, (laughs) sort of ceiling situation lowers down to slowly crush and impale her. And Lucian, who is Indiana Jones and the Temple of To the floor. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So just to set that scene for everybody, she is blinded with panic, but is guided to choose the correct stone lever by a searing pain that seems to come from this eye that is tattooed in her hand. And even though she is victorious, she is very nearly broken by this panic, by this shame. And it is only Rhysand's voice in her head as Mm -hmm. she is, you know, risen 
you know, brought back up to stand before Amarantha that keeps her from completely breaking down in front of the entire court. He kind of keeps her, he's like giving her step Mm -hmm. by step instructions until she gets back to her cell where she does, in fact, collapse and cry. Fall apart. Mm -hmm. For a very long time. Yes. So chapter 41 is a bit of a montage it's a little bit of a montage a mm-hmm. uh, couple of highlights at one point Feyre is being escorted through the halls by Rhysand's handmaidens where all three of them are sort of hidden away in the shadows and they overhear an exchange between the Ator and an agent of Highburn. and then later on towards the end of the chapter Feyre is in her cell and she is just really totally descended into despair she has decided or realized or had some sort of realization that she is not going to leave the mountain alive this is something that she just feels in her core Mm -hmm. she has totally given up and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it's almost like a vision of Mm -hmm. beautiful Music. music comes into her cell and she feels like she's lifted up out of her cell and she remembers why she's there and she remembers why she is fighting and she finds the will to hang on and fight another day does our pharaoh always always and so that is the end i told you they were longer they yeah they were trickier a sneaky a lot happens well not a lot of action happens besides really the second task and also the partying under the mountain the kind of twisted yeah so we're (laughs) yeah so where do we so my notes really start with the bargain here right so in that that first moment in chapter 37 where she is severely severely injured and I just have to say in any kind of book where modern medicine is not playing a part mm. is there anything worse than a festering wound even when modern medicine is around a, like festering, a festering wound, wound is, is bad. bad yeah when it just sounds like the worst thing out of anything that could possibly happen so the bargain Again, props to Feyre for negotiating it down from two weeks. Even she's, in her state she's of absolute. She's riddled in, with fever, with pain. Like she it has been vomiting. Like her her organs, I ima- like I just imagine that she's at that point where the doctors would be like, her organs are shutting down. Mm-hmm. You know? Like she is in a very, very bad state. I would have been, I would have asked no questions. I would have just immediately Said been yes, like, no make matter it what. stop. I don't even care if you heal me, heal me, kill me. I don't care. Just make it stop. I find it a little unrealistic that she thinks Lucian wouldn't know about how long it takes for infection to set in. Does Afera, just a little note that I had. Okay, what, because will, once again, nobody is giving Lucian the credit he deserves. Like, let that will, be the new... <laughs> main takeaway from <laughs> book one of the Akatar series. Like, that, at like, this point, he is proven. Nobody is given Lucian the time of day. Like, just nobody is appreciating him. He's nobody is giving him the credit that he's due. over and over again to be, like, her true friend at this point. And he comes through. Like, mm-hmm. he comes through. And she, and she, after everything they've been through, she's like, well, he hesitated when I screamed. It's like, and so cereal, a- It's like, you were still trying to figure out how to kill them all if you could kill them all. So, like, <clears throat> bugger off. Um, another little tiny note that I had when high females say things too quietly. Mm. Hot. That's a problem. Very hot. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that um, I didn't catch this literally anywhere else in the book, but they refer to death as she in this and not he. I feel like in 
other books. It's oh, normally death when he comes to take me. I'll welcome up with open arms or whatever. Resand refers to death as she throughout this chapter, which I liked. It took me off guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which in the spoiler section, I'll have more things to say about. Ah! Um, <laughs> and then I just, my other note about this chapter was that even in the depths of Feyre's feverish haze, mm-hmm. she is still sitting there thinking, for Tamlin, I would sell my soul. I would give up everything I had for him to be free. And we're just still throughout these chapters getting nothing from him. No, I, I have, have a, a note, note here saying too. that Tamlin is almost a secondary character in these chapters. I well, yeah, because he's sitting there being catatonic next mm-hmm. to Amarantha, and I I have a similar note. So when Reese offers her this bargain, and he's offering to save her so that she can live to fight another day to mm-hmm. free Tamlin, her first thought is that Tamlin's going to be upset. Lit. Yes. Not is her life going to be saved? Her first thought is that Tamlin's going to be upset. And that was really, for me, this is the first time that I've objectively been like, okay, that's toxic. That is a red flag of a toxic relationship because wouldn't Tamlin do the same for her? Like if their roles were reversed, Mm. right? And so wouldn't he understand? Oh, I almost just did a spoiler. (laughs) Did a spoiler. Um, Like it's really tough. It is really tough. That's the that's the closest call I've had. had Yeah, that was that was. And but no, it was just it jumped out to me that that was that's the first time reading this where I got a little bit of like, mm, no, like surely you shouldn't be worried about what he would think. Surely he would want you to live. Right. Surely he would understand why you had to do this because sh- surely this is exactly what he would have done if he had to for you. Right. And it's just not so really it's just interesting because that is not. That is not how she is anticipating he will react. Yeah, which is really, really sad. Tamlin having to deliver Lucian's lashes. I actually kind... I did not remember that from my first read through. I didn't remember that Lucian got punished at all. I didn't remember the reason why he was late to the cell. I didn't either. And I, I, I think I thought he was just like laying low or something because Amarantha wasn't happy that he had helped her. I completely forgot that he was punished. Yeah. I just really, I, on my first read through, I was also guilty of like not giving Lucian the credit he was due because he is the one who, he is, he is acting like he is in love with Feyre. Because he's a real man. Tamlin is acting like <laughs> some kind of stoic martyr. And, and it's I get annoying. it. And we discussed this in the last episode that he I has to is. act this way. I know, but it's starting It's starting to, to not be okay. Me. It's starting to bug me. Because we have to think, given everything else we know from other characters at this point, would they be behaving this way? Clearly not with Lucian because Lucian isn't behaving this way. He's actually exclaiming in the middle of challenges... He's, he Feyre. is willing to defy Amarantha, and Tamlin doesn't really seem to be willing to do that. Right. Excellent note. Okay. Um, okay. So the task. The so these the, these impossible tasks with the muddy water. So, but my note with this was as Feyre keeps achieving said impossible tasks. Yes. For me, it just seemed like a little bit of a character disingenuous to Amarantha's character that she would just allow that to be okay if she doesn't fight fair which she's not because she's assigning these ridiculous things to Feyre and like Feyre just keeps on emerging with like completely healed no festering wounds she's getting lentils out of ash which by the way the 
the, the lentil thing was I had to have a little bit of a chuckle. I mean, that sucks though. <laughs> like sucks. if someone told me to do that, I would be like, F you. I'm not I doing this. I don't really think that's an option here. But it just seems like a little bit of a character plot point hole to me. Well, it's interesting because you had mentioned in one of, I think the first episode where we met her and you were talking about Amarantha being a really good villain. I, I, like, I don't think she's a great villain. She's great in the fact that she's just pure evil. I mean, she is pure evil. But, but then that doesn't. But, but then right. that she's doesn't not, track doesn't, with how she's reacting to these, and or not reacting. And to she's these supposed things. to be a general, right? <clears throat> she's supposed to be this great mind for war strategy. She's supposed to love torture. It's her favorite thing to do. Which it's where she thrives. Now she does love the drama, so I think she. I think she is. Do we think that she's a fire sign? Is she a Leo? Oh my god. No, she's definitely an Aries. Jeez. Oh my god. We're gonna have to that's We're a gonna, whole other episode. We'll have all to by do itself. a whole lot on everyone's zodiac um, side. <laughs> I think I think she likes to just draw things out. Mm. And even if it's not horribly cruel, painful torture, the psychological right. torture as well of just being made to realize that you have no control and that you are just everything you do will result in failure. Yeah, I think she's try. I think she's trying to just wear Feyre down little by little, which she definitely succeeds in doing. And by the chapters. end, by the end of these chapters, yes, she does. I did find her to be a little bit of a disappointing adversary. And then we get our Lady Autumn interaction oh my God. in the hallway. <laughs> She's so perfect. I love her so much. So uh, my first note is it's it's giving Tariel. Oh? Yeah. <laughs> I almost spoiled again. I'm so excited to talk about it in the spoiler section. I specifically made no notes about Lady Autumn because I knew that you Okay, I'll just keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, so she, like... From everything we've heard about the Autumn Court, right? That it's mm-hmm. cutthroat. That it is scary. That it is brutal. She is such a different presence than everything we've heard about the right. Autumn Court up to this point, mm-hmm. right? She speaks softly. In her wake, there is a scent of roasting well, yes, chestnuts and, yes. and crackling fires. Which I want to be... Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she very clearly loves her son. Mm-hmm. This moment where she, I gotta tell you, the Autumn Court really seems to be willing to stand up to Amarantha in in small ways and in big ways. And it just made me think of how proud I think she must be of Lucian Mm -hmm. in these moments. And she can't, this is her only way of showing, you know, I think she's, I think she's showing up for her son in this moment just as much as she's showing up to help Feyre. Like she's doing this for Lucian. Because she and couldn't save him from her other sons or yeah. her husband. What I loved about this was this, this very, very brief interaction that Feyre has with Lady Autumn explains the reaction that Lucian had back in previous chapters when Rhysand threatened tell, her. Because you can just tell that she is goodness. Good. Mm-hmm. And she's kind. She's like, she's one of those female archetypes you do not disrespect her. Like she is beyond, it's almost like she's beyond reproach. Like she right. has this mother, She ha- like the mother mm-hmm. archetype, right? Like she just has this energy about her. My final note is that I would 100 out of 10 uh, want her as a mother-in-law. Is this when you texted me, I would like to submit yes. my submission to be in yes. the autumn call? Yes, it is. 
I got this text from Jessica last Thursday, just completely out of the blue, blue saying, I would like to submit my formal application yes. to be a member of the autumn course because yes. we had previously <laughs> categorized me in a different court and I don't want to talk about it until we've had the full discussion <laughs> I have a case to make outside of the fact that this <clears throat> this just really resonated with me like she as a character has always been one of my favorites even uh-huh. though we barely, we barely ever get ever. to interact with her but yeah. I I love her a lot and I can't really explain why beyond that do you want to talk a little bit about the banter between I have I have one and, note about it, and it is that he is so smug. So smug. I think I have the same he note. So oh, smug. I know. Mine says superior. He is so <laughs> smug. But we do we do get some important information during this exchange as well. Also, little tiny world-building things. We find out that all of the High Lords can shift. Yes, they all and, have a beast form. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question, actually. I do have notes about this, too. So Tamlin's power is just like brute strength. I think strength? it's. Br- I, I, that's I, what I think. That's what Reese tells her, right? I think. It, I think all the High Lords have an element of power. In yeah, but so then, ways. like, what's Tamlin's power if they can all shift into a beast form? But I think not everybody else has the brute strength. Like his is. It's different not a very in that spring-like quality. That's <laughs> <laughs> gonna. Say. I was expecting like, it to be like I can make. Roots grow quickly. <laughs> okay, but no, like that would be cool. Like if he could, man- like Earth, Manic- like, Manic- Earth, like, like from Manic- like Avatar. Earth. Like if he had like mm-hmm. Earth magic, like oh, that would be, be very sick. cool. That would be so cool. He just like can beat the Strong. shit out of people. Like it just seems a little <laughs> contradictory to me. Like we were, we had this discussion. I think it was last episode. Yeah. About what a cool rule it is that, that all of all- the high courts have this magic. I mean, I guess he has the magic land. that that. Excuse me. That happens on the Great, right? Well, we didn't. Yes. <laughs> so he just has like he's like sexual magic. Really good at really powerful, really powerful and bad at sex. I don't, don't look at me. <laughs> Maybe you can email us your thoughts on what Tamlin's true powers are. Reese says brute strength. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's all we know. That really seems to be it. A lot of little notes just still relating to the talent scraping against her mind. This is like the first oh, long. And the wings. And the wings. It's like there's <laughs> shadows of them in the background. He actually produces he them shows, for the first time. He shows time. them to her when he does his little like mm-hmm. half partway shift. And and he has the talons that are sticking out at the end of his <laughs> hands. Yes. And then I don't know what it is. Very I can scary. get behind the talons. But for me when it transfers to feet it gives me the ick. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Talons on hands. Fine. Hot. Talons, Talons on, on the feet. feet. Ew. Ick. Okay. Maybe it's because it reminds me of buds. Not into Ooh, like birds. birds. <laughs> and then interesting that she compares his wings to the Ator's wings. So it's instilling fear in her. Which right are, away. I believe, described as um, bat-like. bat-like. That's all we're going to say about that. And then I just want to make one more note that... Feyre confronts Resand. She doesn't bulk from his violet stare. Uh, and she says that you lied to Amarantha about Claire. You knew exactly who I was. Mm-hmm. She calls him out. She says, you, like, she let you out for fire night and you somehow got out to put that head in the garden. And then he responds and he says, I had my reasons to be out then. Do not think 
favor that it did not, cost, it did me. not cost me. And that's kind of why he leaves that. But I wanted to call out that line. He clearly, again, and this is a theme of all of Akatar so far, there is something here that Farah is not clued into. And he is not revealing everything right now. But there is, again, he is a lot of smugness about him. He's choosing smug. to choosing to withhold certain information still, mm-hmm. but giving her certain information that she needs to stay alive. And she seems to know that somehow she has an ally in him. Like he does, he lets it be known that she will be safe now from these gods. And she doesn't question that at all. No, you're right. She doesn't. Like right away, she's like. Well, and she knows that she should be afraid of him. Like she mm -hmm. objectively acknowledges a couple of times that he is like, you know, on paper, very scary. Yes. But she is not Afraid. afraid. Exactly. Yeah. Which is just important to note. Mm-hmm. She was very afraid of all the other fairies when she first met them. Oh, God. <laughs> that, those were exhausting. Those were just really exhausting to get through. And then I also just love the way that she says he purrs when he speaks. He, like, his voice is an erotic caress. All of these little notes about problematic yes <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's no denying that but it's also one of those things where it seems to be a little bit he's a little in your face with mm-hmm. his sexual attractiveness you know t- what like when we first met tamlin she was pharaoh was like acknowledging how beautiful he was but like tamlin was doing nothing to flaunt like, could have like, done a little more. He, no, he could have, <laughs> but he was very, like, I think where Tamlin is lacking in self-esteem and confidence, Reese is, like, has a little bit way too much. over <laughs> the other end of the spectrum. So it just, it was funny to me. I was like, you know, we've spent this whole book, we've spent so much of this time with Tamlin, mm-hmm. who is, I think, really on the inside, pretty self-deprecating. I would agree and with that. And now we're interacting with, just such a completely opposite personality. This you never character sus- you never suspected oozing. that Tamlin was like playing games at all. No, Whereas and he was Risa, never like he literally admits like Amarantha has her games and I have mine, mm-hmm. and doesn't tell Farah what they are. Again, a theme. But we know that he's up to something because why would he be showing her all this special attention? Yes, if he did not have ulterior motives in some capacity, we just yes. don't know what they are yet. Yet. And then we get to chapter 39, which is the big kahuna. Oh, so she kno- I, the note that I have is the nakedness and the fairy wine sequence. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine, I think, is the, the twisted version of the bowl scene we all love so much. Yeah, it's, I, I do have to state for the record, like, this is, it's this is really tough messed to, up. This is tough to read because, like, this is sexual abuse. 100%. There is no way around it. This is a very controversial scene within mm-hmm. the fandom. Right. And so I do just want to acknowledge that like this could very well be a trigger for some people. Mm-hmm. It was tough to read even at like not having it as a trigger of it any kind of experience I've ever had. She multiple times says no. Multiple times says this. no. She's like she's extremely uncomfortable. She is her body is completely exposed without her consent. Mm-hmm. She is made to dance erotically for Resand between his legs. Like, this is... Gross. This is sexual abuse. Yep. And... We'll just state that for the record. There's, really, there's just really no way around that. Now, 
if it had been consensual, <laughs> it would have been really fun. You know? But unfortunately. And unfortunately, it just, it, yeah. It was, it was hard to read. I think it was supposed to be hard to read. Right. You know? Well, this is also, it's done in tandem with Feyre starting to, starting to sink into that depression that really comes out in a big way at the end of these five chapters. Uh, I want to talk briefly about hit resends to like handmaids. I don't know if you can call them that. that yes. <clears throat> no, I gave them, uh, I have a shout out for them in the spoiler section. Oh, spoiler section. Yeah. Yeah. They remind me of some kind of magical creature in some book that I'm sure that you and I have read and I can't figure it out. And the first thing I thought was Hogwarts ghosts and that's super not it. So if anyone can figure out where SJM got inspired. A lot. It's <laughs> All the time. Because I feel like she does take pieces, bits and pieces out of literature that we all know and love. And sure. she bases some of her characters on them. But I couldn't figure out who they reminded me of. So please let me know if you can figure it out. Um, I do have a note that we get constant indication in this chapter that Resand believes that she is going to complete all three of these tasks. He is constantly yes. referencing the bargain that she's going to have to spend. For the one rest week, of her life. For the rest of her life. Yeah. One week in the night court every single month. And this is, it's it's kind of funny because it's done in tandem with her becoming more and more certain that she is that not she going is to make it out of Under the Mountain. Going to die. <clears throat> yeah. I also have a note that Reese makes a point of revealing the bargain that they've made. In front of everyone. In front of Especially everybody. in front of Tamlin. <clears throat> in front of Tamlin. And I have some notes about his motivation there later on. Mm-hmm. And then I have one more note, just kind of speaking on the subject of this is not consensual. Right. She speaks about, or she, you know, in her head, whatever, while we're reading this, about wearing resand symbols, and it feels like she's being debased while wearing all of the swirls, because mm -hmm. the, I guess the paint that they put on her, it is an extension of the tattoo bargain that she yes. already has. And I don't think we said it in the summaries, but it is magicked. Yes. For lack of a better word, the so that it will, yeah, so yes. that it will only smudge when Resand touches her, and not if her dress touches it, or if she, you know, goes up against like a piece of furniture or a wall or something. And she does say that every single morning when she wakes up in her cell, after not being able to remember anything, that the smudges never make it past like her size. Yeah. I think it's just I think it's just her waist mm -hmm. and maybe like her arms. Right. Yeah. No, that is that is worth noting. You know. Again, does still it, feeling debased not, while it happens. One hundred percent. Take away from the gravity of the offense. So then Lucian comes down into her cell. Yes. And again, like you said in the summaries, he starts getting angry at her for being like, Why didn't you wait for me? And you know, there are just certain personality types that that's how they express, like, worry, worry and upset. And concern. Yeah. Some people. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, Lucian, getting mad at her. Lucian displays a lot of oldest sister traits for being a youngest boy. <laughs> you think? I mean, he's always taking responsibility. He's always taking responsibility for stuff. He's constantly, like... Why are you being so stupid? Mm -hmm. How can you not see what's supposed to be going on here? So I just had my little note being yeah. like, mm -hmm. I get that Lucian is scared and angry, but getting mad at her while she's already, like this is, she's objectively more down in this scene than she even was the first time that he came down to. Yeah, to I don't her. know that Lucian has a terribly high EQ. That's fat. 
I actually thought this was a very sweet moment in a in an otherwise pretty dark stretch of events. You know, she's just come off of this experience of feeling right. really violated. And Lucian comes down and he covered, like, he brings her a cloak. He covers her he with a cloak. The God. Mm-hmm. And, and he's angry because he, he's scared for her. Well, and he's pissed about the bargain. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he says, you know, we, we see that he's protective of her. Right. And she's like, it's one week a month. And he says, we'll see about that when the time comes. And he's like, and, you know, he's doing the high fay. The snarl? Yes. <laughs> I forget. Does he growl or does he snarl? He growls. He growls. He growls. Oh. <laughs> and um, he's protective of her, which is hot. Very. He also says, and this was kind of a sweet, almost sort of like a like a big brother kind of thing. He's like, I've seen enough of you through that dress to last me a lifetime. Like, keep the cloak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he also tells her that... Tamlin is not under a spell because Feyre, as he's leaving, Feyre says, what is Tamlin all right? The spell Amaranth is keeping him under. Mm-hmm. Like, is he okay? And Lucian says, he's not under a spell. Has it ever occurred to you that he is keeping as silent as he can so that Amarantha doesn't realize which mm-hmm. form of your torment upsets him the most and Feyre's like no that didn't occur to me Lucian also tells her this is the first time that he's been able to to even walk to come to see her whatever it was and then he also says to her you know because she's like when he's getting upset with her about the bargain at the beginning she's like after everything that you said to me in the spring court Mm -hmm. after you admitted to me that you hesitated when the seer like when I screamed in the woods and he looks at her and he says and after all of that, you still gave your name. You gave her your name to save my life. Did you not realize that I would come for you no matter what, whether I had made an oath to Tamlin or not? Like, this is, she has fully won his respect. Yeah. I think they are really, truly, like, I think Lucian would protect her himself, whether or not anybody asked him to. And I th- and I think that she, like, in her head response that I didn't realize that I would, me- that would mean anything at all to him. Right. This is another characteristic of Feyre that mm-hmm. I think continues on through. And it's actually one that is with most main characters in yeah. these novels is that they constantly put all of that on themselves and don't give the people that they form relationships with the benefit of the doubt that they will come through for them. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> and then the last thing he says after he tells her that Tamlin is trying to keep Amarantha in the dark as to what upsets him the most, mm-hmm. he says he's playing a dangerous game, though we all are. And then he also um, refuses to tell Pharaoh what kind of dancing she was doing. I think that's for the best. I think it's for the best, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I think it's better that none of us know. <laughs> I think I think as well. Although I can yeah. see the montage. Yeah, and then I my next note just says, more fairy wine and naked dancing. Yes, washed, painted, brought to the throne room on repeat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But then, the, the one point she goes to the throne room, and yes. that is a fairy from the summer court who has tried. Now, is it a fairy or is it a high fae? It's a high fae. It's a high fae who high has fae tried male. to escape. And this is the night before the second trial. And right before they go out, there's a quick discussion between. Reese and Feyre. Mm-hmm. And he's like, aren't you going to beg me for a night with your beloved? And she says, I'll have all the nights when this is over, which we know she's blustering. Mm-hmm. She says to Reese, Tamlin never treated 
me like a captive or a slave? And I just wanted to ask if you agree with this. No. (laughs) I think in the first... Now, she was... His, but there was, she again, was his there captive. Was, there there was, was an element to the treaty that she didn't know about as, at first. So I think that she's a little bit having revisionist history here because now that she knows what she knows, <laughs> she knows that Tamlin never we treated We remember her. that she felt very captive. Very <laughs> captured. She was trying to escape 24-7 the first like week that she was and there. And you a would couple not let weeks. her go. No. So I, and then once she knows the full information, yeah. then... She knows that he had reasons for what he was doing. And so I, I get it. She she says, but I actually, I didn't write it down, but I my little antenna went up during that as I just, well. I just read it and I was, I wanted to have the discussion with you to see if you really agreed with that. Because while I do think Tamlin was as good to her, if not better. Like he more than made up for any type of way that he made her feel like he was, in the beginning. He, he was respectful of her. Mm-hmm. He kept her safe. She was treated well. I do agree that he never treated her like a slave. But I I mean, she was a captive. And she felt very captive. We were all painfully aware. In her head. <laughs> always try, always. Very captive. <laughs> very not free to get out. Like, it was. So, yeah. I just wanted to run that by you to see if you had the same reaction. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I agree, we're I agree. so uh, so there is a lordling, a summer lordling that yes, has that is tried what she calls him. that has tried to escape. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? Finding Nemo. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that she says that she's seen him before during the first task, and he'd been like leaking golden light. She says that about the high lord. The high lord of, of the, the summer, summer court. court. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's she does. I had that. I caught that as well. And now he seems dimmed, like he's been leached. And resend tenses up a little bit here, and he slides his hands into his pockets, and he 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 knows that Amarantha is about to ask something of him. Yes, and I also just wanted to re. I I grabbed this quote of the description of the High Lord of the mm-hmm. Summer Court. Because this is the first detailed description we've that gotten we of a High Lord that is not Reese or Tamlin. Hair near white, eyes of crushing crystal blue, his skin of richest mahogany. Before he'd been shining, almost leaking golden light. Now he appeared dimmed as though Amarantha had leached the rest of his power from him. First of all, I would just like to say he sounds very, very attractive. <laughs> it's um oh my god, it's it's giving in um House of the Dragon. It is Oh, uh, Valarian. Yeah. It's giving uh, Valarian, but if they had like if they had blue eyes. Uh-huh. That could be fun. a fan cost. Which one? Not his son. No. Corliss? Like Lord Corliss the sea snake. Doesn't he have a cousin that's too... also Ooh, like I hated him. Vaymond, it's his brother. Um, and he's not tall enough. Okay. We'll discuss this no, later. veto. I veto. <laughs> the best thing that ever happened with that character was when Damon... Offed him? Yeah. So sorry if you haven't seen that. Spoiler! Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should have watched it by now. If you're a true fan of this genre, you've already seen House of the Dragon. That's true. Although there's very little romance in there in that show. So she says that the High Lord of Summer had gone still... 
too, and it was pain, real pain and fear that shone in those stunning blue eyes. Summer was one of the courts that had rebelled. I was about to say, this is a new High Lord mm-hmm. who has recently, we can only assume, had to watch his father be murdered for mm-hmm. treason against Amarantha. And Resand seemingly tells Amarantha immediately what is in this fairy's head. And he says that he wanted to escape to get to the spring court because that's the only court that has some semblance of freedom yet cross the wall because right next to the mortal realms and yep. flee south into human territory. But he also says he had no accomplices, no motive beyond his own pathetic cowardice. cowardice. But out of the corner of Feyre's eye, she sees him sag in relief. She sees the high lord of summer court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she thinks, or she wonders, I think the line is, what kind of choice, choice Resend had just made. Yep. To- I have many notes about this in the spoilers. <laughs> many, 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 many notes. And then Amarantha just says shatter him. And he does. But not quite in the way that the Amarantha way that- was apparently hoping. Mm-hmm. It was fast. And I think that she wanted it to be a little more drawn out. Of course, because she loves to watch people suffer. So, so worth noting that he did not exactly do what Amarantha wanted here. And he is no dummy and he knew what she wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And that's all that I have on 39. The next I, the next notes I have are for the second trial. And my first bullet point is that being illiterate is tough. <laughs> I just imagine your biggest insecurity being used against you for sport and for death in a crowd of people that want nothing more than to Do see you fail. Do we know that Amarantha... Somehow she found out. Because otherwise, this would have been an easy, an easy enough. I mean, I guess it's a, if it's a riddle, you don't know if it's going to be easy. Apparently, she's not very good at riddles because she keeps trying I to was figure this say, one out, I'm, and she's not what very I'm good. What I'm wondering <laughs> is, did Amarantha know for sure? Did she suspect maybe that Farah well, was illiterate? I think that has a line she here where think... she says, "Who told her? Like, how did she find this out about me?" Because she's like, otherwise, this would this wouldn't have been a challenge. Well, we don't know what the riddle was, so maybe it was really hard. Maybe it was a math problem. Something. <laughs> the, oh my god, that would be my that would be my that would like, be your if undoing. Put a calculus problem up on the wall. I was like, you have to solve this before. That was something I about mean, grasshoppers. It wouldn't even need to be calculus. It would be like solve, like solve literally this. like algebra one. Yeah, or like geometry. It would be like it would be like foil this equation. Was it do a proof? Oh my god, what is it like quadratics? I, the right? quadratic Which equation. The that, like, that go, anyways. Girl, any, I didn't even make it to pre-calc in high school. Any problem up on the wall, <laughs> I would have been just as panicked as Pharaoh. Um, I think it was more of the literary variety. I see. Up okay. on the wall. But yeah, this would be really, really tough. For me, this was w- actually more cruel than the first task. Because the first task, at least, she knows she has she her was cunning. In, but she, she was has in her, her element. Exactly. She's she, a, right? And even Amarantha says, you'll like this one. Uh-huh. You're a huntress. And whereas it makes me wonder one, if she wanted to lull her into this false sense of, like, confidence. Whereas this one, Fair just feels nothing but immediate dread. Because also, she's someone panicked. who has just proven she's beyond a shadow panicked. of a doubt to be one of her closest allies and a true friend is suddenly being chained up and his life is in her hands. I do have a note here though that like it would be so fun to see this come to life. Like just in, like you're once again right you're back, in, you're back in that yeah. arena. Mm-hmm. Like the surround the surround sound of all of the jeering and the screaming and she's like you know all of a sudden you you hear that grinding of the stone. Oh right. God. It was I was I was 
As she's reading this, and it was down. like this is the scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, although I feel like it's in many, many and movies. Like, that and, Lu- <laughs> and Lucian is screaming at her. He's like, "Just pick one." one. Yes, <laughs> doesn't matter which one. Now I have a question. Yes, what if she could just like do them all at once? I'm hearing what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure it probably wouldn't work that way because maybe if you had to, maybe you had to do them like. What if the other two, like, break? Yeah, like, and again, break I think, like, in the context of the story, maybe you're not trying to, like... I would be over to be, like... <laughs> like, like, doing them a little... Like, each one, like, a little bit. And we wouldn't have a certain someone helping us through our... Well, we might. You think that someone would have would have made a bargain for you and I? They would have oh, bet, yeah. bet, on, bet on us to stay alive till the very end? Sure. The High Lord of Witch Court. Well, apparently for you, it's autumn now. but this is where we get like this is the first moment we've been getting a lot of clues and a lot of indications that resand is not who everyone thinks he is and this is where we get stone like absolute rock solid proof that he has some kind of investment in keeping Feyre alive past these tasks because again Levers are happening. There's heat coming through her tattoo. Also, and- like, way to play it cool, Farah. She's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let me try it again. <laughs> but no. again, like, super high-stress environment. Like, and she, like, looks up at Reason and is like, this one? <laughs> if I were Reese, You know I, what she has? You she have has a smooth, smooth brain. brain. <laughs> if I were Reese, I would have been like, dude. <laughs> Be chill. Like, you're <laughs> ruining this. <laughs> Trying to help you. So at the last minute, Farah manages to pull the correct lever. Also, also, I just have to talk about her logic before the help oh, comes. Oh, like, like two is a lucky number. She's no- like, was two, it? like, it's an two even is number. lucky because it's me and Tamlin. Oh. Two. <laughs> then she goes, she goes, one is such a nasty number. And she goes... Three is too much. It's, it's three sisters crammed in a shack. It's like, oh, wow. I mean, I will. Oh, my I God, mean, we're being so mean. She must have been so stressed out. I know so we are. I know we are because, because I do want to say for the record that, like, being in a state of panic is, is the worst. And, like, it is rational thoughts do not actually it enter is your brain. crippling, and I have so much compassion for her. But I did. I did have. No, I do. I really do. But I did have to giggle. She goes, two is lucky. It's like Tamlin and me. Two. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. Let me find the quote here. It says, yeah. two. It was two. I could gladly, willingly, fanatically believe in a cauldron and fate if they would take care of me. I believed in two. I two. believe in two. <laughs> I believe in two. I believe, I believe, I believe. <laughs> Yeah. As she pulls the third lever. Yeah, but she tries to pull the same one multiple times, even though well, I think she has hurting. to be sure. Let's give her. Let's give her that. She's not a dummy. Okay. She needs the evidence to prove her point. Okay. I just have to say that three does turn out to be the lucky number. So, like, how about that? Yeah, she was wrong. Well, three is like always the lucky number. Third time's a charm. Yeah. <laughs> She completely unravels off to this and is on the well, verge of breaking does, down. Yeah, she's she's on the verge of breaking down when a voice in her and is this the first time that yes. Resand has fully like mind spoken to her? Yes. 
And I mean, we know that he has some kind of mind control power. Yes. <clears throat> so she hears her voice. She and hears he gives, his like, voice. very clear instructions. And it's almost like... And he's commanding. It's almost he's like commanding a, her. Like, like, he's not bolstering her. He's not, like, being kind or he's gentle. Like, you do this to stay alive, yeah. basically. And yeah. he says... And I have them written down. It says, don't let her see you cry. Put your hands at your sides and stand up. Stand. Don't give her the satisfaction of seeing you break. And then I just have to say, he calls her good girl. I saw that too. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Now walk away. Turn on your heel. Good. Walk toward the door. Keep your chin high. Let the crowd part one step after another. She has this this moment, which I can't remember if it's before or after the music, where she goes, I don't even know if he knew it, but he kept me from falling apart. It was right here. And, it was right that, after this. In that moment. Yeah. Yes, I had that note too. And in the aftermath of all of this, she really just falls apart. And I do, mm-hmm. I do sympathize. I think it's the all wake, just too much. The wake of a very, very intense panic attack like that, you are just, you are completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, the everything is, worn off. everything is fraught. Everything is very raw. You are exhausted. Like, and she just, you know, and, I, and I think you had made the point earlier when we were doing some of our, our prep, you know, that she has not cried once since she's been down here. And she's yeah. now been down here for two, two months. Yeah. She's been down here and she has not shed a single tear. And when and this, the dam breaks, the dam breaks, let's remember my issue with the smoke detector. Yes. <laughs> no, and that is true. But she, there doesn't seem to be a rebound in sight. And, and I was struggling a little bit because I felt like there was a little bit of melodrama going on. Because while, yes, it was very scary and horrible and she almost died, she didn't. And what did she learn? She learned that Amarantha's whore is, as a matter of fact, her ally, her ally and is working actively to undermine Amarantha. And when Feyre came under the mountain, she was desperately seeking an edge. She was desperately seeking some kind of way that she could actually win and beat all these tasks. And I was struggling because I wanted to shake her shoulders and be like, you finally have what you were looking for when you came under the mountain. How do you not see this? I I agree with everything that you just said. I honestly think that we don't have to overcomplicate it. I think for her, it was like she just needed an emotional release. And like for me, that's that's what this is. And... I think that she's savvy enough that she starts to pick up on some of that stuff eventually. Yeah. But in this moment, I think she just needed, like, while she was alone in her cell, I don't think she would have done this in front of anybody else. I mean, she starts to, but Resan stops her. I just think she needed to lose it, like, in her yeah. own private space alone. Well, and she says, you know, in her, her inner monologue, mm-hmm. she says, Amarantha won today. I she's she's lost the she's lost the forest mm-hmm. you know she all she sees is this one tree that her illiteracy defeated her today that's all she can see that's all she can focus on mm-hmm. she's lost sight of the forest and the forest is Amarantha didn't win today right. because Amarantha is losing her power with every task that Feyre succeeds at even though in her monologue and she, she, she does win like Amarantha only thinks that she's winning and that is the edge mm-hmm. that is the edge and somebody who has the strategic savvy survival so it feel like another character awareness, like plot hole to you almost it doesn't feel like a plot hole it feels like she is having a moment of weakness which I think is very human mm. 
And I think it's okay to humanize these characters. Yeah. Like nobody can be perfect in a situation like this <laughs> all the time. No one right. can. But as we are being objective, I literally hate using analysis. the word critics. It's like so not what uh, I feel like we're doing. We are. But she is having a moment of weakness here. Mm-hmm. And in this moment of weakness, she is failing to see the forest for the trees. And Reese, I get that. And Reese comes to her cell yeah, and says... Yeah, I have says, some questions about how do you, how do you feel about his... Well, the, the licking of the tears? I, ha- I didn't I, like it. I didn't like that either. And I also just... It seems and, he was like, oh, I just like, that'll get you to stop crying. I'm like, there's lots like, of things she could have done to get her to stop crying. Tears are unnecessary where it's like, obviously they're unnecessary, oh, but I she said, just has I to cry. I agree with Reese. <laughs> <laughs> the tears are unnecessary, you know? Like, well, she didn't know that he was about to come in. Let the girl cry. I I am on team. Let Feyre cry. I think in she had the been next crying day, for a long time. Have you not ever wept for hours at a time? Um, I'm, no. When I like really cry, it's like very intense, and it's like happens. And then Do you after go after, after about like twenty to thirty <laughs> minutes, I tend to pull myself together. Yeah. The licking, the licking of the face. The licking of the tears I'm, was not I'm thinking, it is it me. maybe to like shock her into stopping crying? Because it elicits a lot of anger in her. Would it have killed you to just be nice? Well, I think that there are some reasons that he's not doing that, but I'll discuss them in the spoiler Anyways, section. Anyways, <laughs> um, I did have a note that her response, which is, quote, you're a disgusting bastard, end quote, <laughs> is a truly great insult. <laughs> Should we start... Should we start telling our enemies that they're disgusting bosses? I said, I really (laughs) hope someday I can use this. (laughs) This goes directly into the kind of montage that we were talking about when she falls into this Yeah, she's just falling into this despair. I think she says the word permanent darkness. And she's thinking a lot about Amarantha and she's thinking a lot about how Amarantha is never going to let her leave this place alive. Mm Because, and she starts thinking about Amarantha's devotion to her sister Clithia. And she says, you know, she reflects on the fact that she doesn't think she could ever forget it if something like that happened to Nesta or Elaine. Because that was an interesting nugget that I, that's a comparison, right? That she draws between herself and Amarantha. Mm-hmm. And that's not the first time she's drawn a comparison there. Because she says, well, she also on, starts thinking about herself in a more derogatory way during this chapter. She does, but when she first comes under the mountain, she she says she realizes suddenly that Amarantha is a huntress too, mm. and she draws that parallel between the two of them. And now she's drawing the parallel, their devotion to their sisters, between the two of them. But I like that. I like when when a heroine can look at their villain, look at their adversary, and see similarities I think it creates a really interesting dynamic between the two of them and I said that when they had their first encounter Mm -hmm. I always felt like there was a lot of potential between those two female characters for a really interesting like showdown conflict yeah Uh, we find out a ton about Amarantha in this chapter mainly that her shenanigans under the mountain and in Prithian as a whole are not condoned by the king of Highburn, which yes. I think this is the first time we get reference to. It's the first time a yeah. king or like a high king, which is how his um no his messenger refers to him as the high king. Well, when Alice talks, when Alice gives Favor the histories, she refers to the king of. Okay, Highburn. so it's not the first time, so yeah. that's good. Because uh, Amaranth has always been considered, but to be apparently his he has a little bit of PTSD from the last time that she went rogue and. 
It's, yeah, we're, we, it's very clear that the King of Highburn is not happy that mm-hmm. Amarantha not only ran away and went rogue and did her own thing, but that she also he knows that she stole his stuff. Mm-hmm. Not super happy about that, but he also says, remember that he can take her powers away without needing potions or spells, which is interesting very scary and Farah notes you know at, at the very end this agent of Hybern makes a pretty blatant threat if she abandons his cause again it's over for her and, and the Ator <clears throat> doesn't reply really and Farah gets this icy fear with this understanding even though she doesn't directly acknowledge it but that there are evils worse and more powerful out there than than Amarantha. And the other main piece of information that she gets from this is that she knows that ultimately it is Highburn's goal to invade the human lands again. Everything. He wants to, he wants everything. And then again, further acknowledgement that she knows, she finds solace in the fact that Nesta Nesta will protect her family. She always goes back to Nesta will protect. Says a lot that she does not say that Elaine will. But that's the only thing that happens on that chapter besides the music at the end, which I loved rereading this. And maybe it was because I was a few beers deep when I was doing it, but I <laughs> literally cried. <laughs> I was like, but have you ever experienced that when you hear music that just speaks to your soul? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. my gosh. And then I Are have you a kidding few me? I'm quotes. a Swifty. <laughs> ask me stupid questions. I did not mean to offend. (laughs) Uh, I have a few of my favorite quotes that I pulled out from it just because I thought it was so beautiful. It wasn't wild music, but there was a violence of passion in it. Mm. A swelling kind of joy and sorrow. It was music to worship, music to fill in the gaps of my soul, to bring me to a place where there was no pain. I let the sounds ravage me, let them lay me flat and run over my body with their drums. Like, it was literally a three-page description of this. And at this point, we have no idea why she is hearing this. It's almost like she's on the edge of delirium. Yeah, I think she thinks she's hallucinating. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for us as readers to decide whether or not she is hallucinating or not. When we publish this episode, I, I want to link you all to... Um, oh, your favorite artist that you Kelsey, have. Kelsey mm-hmm. A. Woods. She's on Spotify. And you can also follow her on Instagram, too. And we will post on our stories links to... She is a composer. She is incredibly talented. And she has written two pieces inspired by uh, this scene, I believe. And they are just stunning, amazing, Stunly beautiful. They're so beautiful. They're haunting. They're beautiful. They're they're passionate. There is a violence of passion there is in a it. Violence of passion <laughs> in it, and it's just really. If you haven't found it already, um, hopefully you will listen to it and be inspired by it the way that we were, because it's really stunning. And I think my final note here, and like as we finish off these five chapters, is that it's Feyre's realization that whether it be true or not. The reason she is so despairing is that she is now realizing in her gut that Amarantha will not allow her to leave this place alive. And she truly believes in her bones that she will not leave under the mountain and she will die in a fed task. When Frodo realizes (laughs) that he's not going to make it back. I cannot talk about them lying there on Mount Doom. (laughs) And when Harry realizes that he's the final Horcrux and that he's walking into the forest to die. Getting emotional. We did not talk oh, about no. that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Will we shed tears in episode eight? 
TBD. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the conclusion of my non-spoiler commentary oh, on God. this episode. The spoiler section is going to be lengthy. Ooh. We get another beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... We are now going to wrap up part one of episode eight. So just a reminder that if you have not yet, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore greatest genre, on Twitter at greatest genre. You can email us at thegreatestgenre at gmail.com. Our link tree is on our Instagram page. And we will have your Etsy link shortly <laughs> to Very shortly, buy hopefully. the t-shirts. And I'm thinking I'm doing sweatshirts too. Let's do it. Let's go crazy. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, we will see you very shortly for part two. Yes, and if you have not yet read everything, a reminder, do not tune in for part two, <laughs> even though we love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Your phone's out.